Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Schmozone Podcast, Episode 9. I'm Dave Schmolenson, a.k.a. The Schmo. And I'm Helen E. Sports. With an extra oomph into it. Did I or no? Let the audience decide. Okay, and I'm Helen E. Sports. There we go, some extra sauce in that. But Helen, how's quarantine going? You know, it's uh, going as best as it can, aside from all those workouts that you're still trying to push me through. And you're growing a little schmo stash, which I keep asking you to shave it off, but you won't. I can't grow any facial hair. Literally, I really can't. There's people half my age that can grow a full beard. I'm struggling. This, this little stash here, it's been what, 20 days? You'd be lucky if you can see it. <laughs> yeah, if you can see it, comment below. Tell us what should the schmo do with it? What should Dave do with it? Should he dye it blue? What should he do? I think the foe, the, the foe, the schmo character would be so much funnier with a mustache. Yeah, well, everyone will just have to wait and see. They may have to wait a bit longer than normal to for you to do your normal schmo in the pros, even though you, you have been cranking cranking out those interviews we're trying trying to stay active trying to stay positive we are positive we might be locked up but all is good yeah everything's good um you interviewed joey spencer we interviewed chel sonnen that's right so the schmo did a quarantine style ig live with the undefeated PBC 2019 Boxing Prospect of the Year. He's a super welterweight. Joey Spencer from Michigan. Great kid. Aspirations to be in MMA. Yeah, he actually told you a lot of things that even surprised me, like his take on MMA, who really got him into it, which we're not going to reveal right now because we will be playing that in the podcast a bit later on. Yeah, he's 20 years old. He's wise beyond his years. Talks like he's 30 years old, the schmo's age. And great perspective. Studies a lot of great boxers. We talked boxing. We talked MMA. He had a fight scheduled in Minneapolis April 11th. That had to be postponed. It's already April now, or it's finally April. <laughs> I, yeah. I felt like March was not ending. Your birthday was only a couple weeks ago. It feels like three months ago already. Time slows down in quarantine. Yeah, it, it does. By the way, you're dressed like Christmas. What? Green and red. 
you know, gotta think of some positives, right? Some happy colors. Yeah, I mean, I, I was craving cookies, been craving donuts, so I've been, like, looking at them and just decided that, you know, during the holiday season, you bake, and I that's how I, you know. It does the job. So, yeah, we'll get to the Joey Spencer interview later on. Together, we just interviewed Chael Sonnen. We're going to play that for you. A lot of craziness going on in the sports world. And... um UFC 249. Yeah, not only UFC 249 and Tony Ferguson, his comments about it. Obviously, today, Habib, he spoke about it on his Instagram Live. But then California State Athletic Commission, they're kind of canceling, right, all those events in May, which is UFC San Diego was slated to be there in May. It's got to be so tough from the fighter's perspective because you're training, you don't know a venue, a location, you're already limited, you don't know what weight you need to be because you don't know what the date is officially going to be for a fight. Are you going to get bumped up to an April 18th fight card if you were scheduled for a UFC Lincoln fight? Are you going to still be fighting that same day, push back a little bit different, a little bit later? It's very, very hard to gauge when you'll be fighting next and where you need to be in your preparation for that fight. I just feel like right now there's so many unknowns, whether you're a fighter, whether you're just, you know, like in media or whatever job that you have. I mean, for everyone, everything's kind of an unknown, right? Everything was supposed to uh what kind of reopen initially mid april they were slated to or kind of planning on that and then now it's april 30th which who knows if they'll push everything back again i i i don't know yeah i know chael brings it up in our interview but something i know i want to say is i don't know what live sports are going to look like when they resume and if they can ever return to being what they once were having these live spectators so many different people production people media people all together in one room i have no idea what to expect it's just the sports sports have always been the escapism has always been that for you and i it's been that for passionate sports fans when things are you know, doom in this world, we turn to sports to escape, to get our minds off of it. We need sports back, and they're probably going to be refined to start and how they orchestrate everything, but we'll make the most of it and we'll adjust. And MMA is a sport that will be able to adjust on the fly. Yeah, and then even right now, were they saying that NBA, should it be taking place in Las Vegas, right? I hope it takes place in Las Vegas. Here at the Thomas and Mac and the Cox Pavilion where UNLV plays, they also have NBA Summer League. Shout out Albert Hall, Warren Legary, the Schmo Dave has done some internships, has worked NBA Summer League with those guys. They put it on. Might as well do that same type of format with the NBA teams. You can have two games going on at the same time, limit to the production people in those rooms, in those buildings. You can make it work and make up a lot of games. Yes, but you know how you brought up the fact that when everything kind of goes back into a normalcy, how quote-unquote normal will things ever get again? Like, do you think as far as even watching the live events that the attendance of the people, like, 
how long do you think it'll take for everything to really get back to normal? That's a great question. Definitely, there's going to be added measures for live events, gathering thousands of people in one stadium or one room or whatever it is together. It's going to be difficult, and there's going to have to be some restrictions and modifications. We don't know the extent of what those are going to be until the worst of this virus plays its course. And unfortunately, we don't think we've reached nearly close to what the worst of this virus is going to bring to the United States and to the world, unfortunately. Yeah, it's really scary times that we're in. It's very scary times. It's unprecedented. But they made movies about this stuff, and they're all over Netflix and different places. And Speaking of Netflix, though, because everyone keeps talking about it, the whole, like, tiger stuff. The Tiger King, which we watched. Yeah, I mean, after that, I think that was like the last thing that we really watched. And then I just haven't really been watching much TV or having that much interest. The first week, week and a half, we had our TV binge, binge, our movie binge. And now it's we're just itching to get to work, to stay active, work out and um, remain positive. Yes. But like you mentioned, I mean, two of the positives are are the guests who will be played on this podcast today chel sonnen joey spencer i'm just trying to name some positives right Positive that's right things that's happening. and it's great because when we just we literally just did this quarantine style skype interview with uncle chael the good guy called me out on some stuff we're able to have some banter back and forth thought it was a little weird interviewing him as myself and not the schmo but I figured it'd be for the best for this situation. Yeah, well, he's so referred to as a schmo, and you still brought that schmo energy. He did refer to me as the schmo. I did bring that energy. He's a great guy to talk to. He's very cerebral, a lot to say, unfiltered. It brings a lot to the table. And I love that bad guy sign he has as the background, better than that ugly guy above me, you know? I love that guy. At least that's one of us. <laughs> yeah. So um, what else do you want to say? Let's play the Chael interview. Do you remember me with the glasses? Do, do I remember the schmo? Excellent. Excellent. The legend? Are you, are you really asking me that? I'm just making sure I'm not doing this in character. The bad guy does not have CTE. The bad guy knew when to tap out. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you're on the Schmo Zone podcast. I really appreciate your time. My co-host, you remember her, Helen? I've interviewed him once before, many years ago. From a hospital room, Helen, nonetheless. How do you like that, Schmo? I remember Helen and I's first interview. You're wondering if I recognize you without glasses. I got to tell you, I'm a little insulted. I I, I deeply apologize. I deeply apologize. You'd be amazed at the... uh, the amount of people that can't tell the difference. So I just uh, had to clarify just for By second. the way, is this a thing? Is this a thing you and Helen, you know, you're sitting a little close on the couch, right? There we go. I mean, it's kind of uh-huh. hard to deny this shot, okay? I mean, I don't think we need to say camera again. Why can't we say my girlfriend? My Wait. girlfriend, my co-host. Wait. Yeah. I those know. nails, those are fire. Hold those nails up. No. Oh, those I are great. I need done. It, it was really bad. I got to tell you, I'm colorblind, and even I can tell that's a great color. 
They're actually the same color as the Schmoes logo. It my wife, te- my wife always tells me when I compliment a woman's fingernails that it's creepy and that the woman thinks it's creepy. So I'm sorry. I'm just into fingernails because my wife gets them done every week. I used to every few weeks until this whole quarantine. Now it's my, just it's, out, but Helen, can I tell you? So my wife held up her fingers to me two days ago, of which I thought looked fantastic. She holds them up, and apparently they're like chipped in places. And she goes, look what this pandemic is doing. And she was serious. I actually feel that same way. I can relate to her. So tell That's her good. I understand. <laughs> All right. I appreciate your time. This is episode nine. This is going for the Schmozone podcast. I want to get into it because these are unprecedented times. I'm We're into it now. We're talking we're about into acrylic. it. Schmo, right. right. we're talking about acrylic. You think that we're you think we're not into it? We're into it, brother. And by the way, you guys aren't social distancing, I must tell you. Yeah, well, it's just us two, okay? It's just us two. Now, bad guy. Seriously though, you were able to put on an event this past weekend, Shug Nine, and you had this event in Portland, Oregon, amongst all this chaos. Quite frankly, I just got to ask you, how the hell did you pull this off? We held the event somewhere. I mean, right there, it was submission underground. Okay, listen, it was a little bit tough because, uh, so we called different municipalities. We're calling different cities just on the phone. And uh, they all said the same thing. They go, hey, this isn't really our call. It's a state issue, but here's what the state wants. And so we just kept calling. We go, eh, it's not good enough for us. We we want to be welcome. Someone needs to invite us to come. And so we called a a city and the gal that answered the phone said, Hey, I actually know exactly who you guys are. My kid trains jujitsu. My son has a purple belt under Michael Chapman. She said, I've been to your events, but here's what needs to happen. And Schmo, there was such incredible separation as you well know. I mean, everybody has to be in their own room. Everybody has to be in their own area. And that can be very challenging when you have a camera crew and you're doing a live event. So we had to bring in extra cameras, set them up ahead of time, lock them in place on robotics, run a cord out to a trailer that qualified as a separate room, have one director who ran it with his wife, so they were comfortable being together. Everybody was separate. We washed the cage top to bottom. I'm talking the stairs, the apron, the surface, the door in between every single round. The only people that were in the same room at the same time was the referee, the doctor, red corner, blue corner. Other than that, everybody was set. I called the fight. I was in a separate location. It was weird. It was very challenging. I feel like you're complimenting me. I'm taking the compliment and I'm bragging to you how hard it was, but it was tough. It was really hard to do, keep everybody safe and then also be in compliance. But I think we pulled it off. I think it was kind of a special event. Now, were you required to do any kind of coronavirus testing after the event? Have you followed up with any of the uh, participants to make sure that they are symptom free? How did the travel or the logistics work out from there? So as far as them self-quarantine, I mean, everybody's supposed to do that. If you're asking me if I enforced it, no, I didn't enforce it. Uh, We had all the forms ahead of time and everybody had to sign them. And there's things people had to promise to that was written off, you know, and signed off by the doctor. And a self-quarantine is always always a recommendation in fairness. Um, But I mean, it's a concern, right? Everything's very weird right now. So you try to follow state laws, then you, for wherever you are, wherever we were, but then you also try to operate with a level of integrity. And then Schmo, I got to tell you, when you're talking about pieces of the puzzle, you also then have to try to guess, and this is really hard. I mean, right. You could be the smartest guy in there. You have to try to guess where it's going to go. So we started out in the Northwest, 250 people. 
The very first, 250 people in a room was the max. That dropped to 50 people, dropped to 10 people, dropped to eight people. So ultimately, that's why we went with four. We thought, well, if this keeps dropping down, we need to be ready for it. And that's why we just kept everybody separate. I think you kind of built that template in case we're in this for the foreseeable future of putting on these live events, these combat sports events. Uh, what's the conversation been like with Dana White, with the Fight Pass people on uh, moving forward with this type of planning? I will tell you, you know, Dana kind of keeps it at an arm distance. He, he is so slammed right now with trying to pull off 249, April 18th, and all the things that I just mentioned. Every time he gets a plan, somebody pulls the carpet out from under him. He's got to come up with a brand new plan. That's just in the media, right? I mean, that's what he's telling people. But I can tell it's exactly what he's going through. And uh, But he was very happy. You know, I think he took a look at it and he said, he said, you know what? Even when this is all over, even when the crowd comes back, there are certain things about the way that this was produced and presented to the audience that I, I think you should keep. Schmo, I'll tell you this. I'm not sure the world of TV is ever going to go back to the way we knew it. I think that, and I, I don't think it's going to stay where we're at now, but I don't think it's ever going to go back. I think it's going to meet in the middle. I think a lot of people are learning, man, there's other ways to do this. I watched the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon last week. I think it was Tuesday. He was doing it from his living room. His kid comes out, like crawls on his shoulders, like during the show. It was this organic moment, but it ended up being great. I just think the world of TV is learning. There's other ways to do it. We don't always need the most beautiful stages and, and and production departments sometimes a, a little bit more bare bones still can bring you something very authentic that's my own opinion but i, I i'll make that prediction for you now a good take yeah and that is what david or the schmo has been saying but Cheryl, you just mentioned about ufc 249 and kind of what dane is going through um this morning habib went on his ig live kind of gave his perspective and his side and then of course yesterday Tony spoke to Ariel about it. So if you're Tony Ferguson, what do you do in this situation? Yeah, so Tony's got to be a reactor, right? I mean, that's part of the sport. And Tony's been on both sides of it. Look, this hurts for Tony to, to be this close to a world title shot, not to mention one that you've earned, not to mention you earned it five times. Don't forget, Tony is the interim world champion who never lost but somehow is no longer the interim world champion. I mean, it's very unfair in many ways. And so this was his big moment and opportunity. And like anything in life, what goes up must come down. I really feel for Tony right now. I'm hoping he can push through. I'm hoping he competes with somebody. But the bottom line is, I don't know that you can blame Khabib. Helen, I read some of that stuff saying that Khabib went to Russia and hid. One of the things that Khabib talked about on his Instagram is he goes, okay, you guys want me to smuggle myself out of Russia. You want me to get to a location and get locked in a cage with Tony. I'll do it. But tell me this, where do I go? If I wasn't supposed to fly to Russia, where is it you suggest I fly to? There's no venue given. This isn't my fault. And you know what? Even in the simplicity, Khabib makes a very fair argument there. Yeah, I agree. And what about Connor and kind of him saying that, you know, calling them both chickens or whatnot? And <laughs> I loved it. Connor trolled him. What a troll move. Listen, this isn't Connor even gave a breakdown. So this fight has been scratched five times. It's so many times I've lost track. Connor had to do the math on two of them were Tony's fault. Three of them were Khabib's fight uh, fault. Therefore, Tony wins three to two. Look, this is silly. It's ridiculous, but there's nothing else going on. The fact that Connor McGregor was smart enough to insert himself in something that is none of his business and he got headlines and he's the one we're talking about. Connor goes down as the smartest guy in the room for the week. 
But he did say back in January when he predicted that someone was going to fall out of the fight that he'd be ready to step up to the plate. Granted, nobody predicted that we'd have a worldwide pandemic. Do you think he burdens a little bit of responsibility stepping up to the plate? Or what's his next move from here? Yeah, well, and fair question, right? I mean, everybody's in this really weird spot. I don't know that Connor is any more willing to go and do this than somebody else would. I mean, it seems that we're all in a little bit of a trying time right now. So, yes, to your point, is Connor being sincere? No. Is Connor trolling and Connor won and Connor saved the day, stole the headlines, and has what everybody's talking about? Yes. He's a master. He's a master manipulator. You can be angry about it or you can appreciate it. I, for one, appreciate what uh, Connor did. The California State Athletic Commission, they've called off all the fights in May. I know Bellator is postponed. Obviously, that pulls off the UFC San Diego card. Realistically, where can a fight happen in the United States, and when can a fight happen in the United States? Yeah, so, and, nobody, so nobody has the answer to that question. And I got, I got to tell you this, Mo. Whenever you try to answer it, and I'm going to try to answer it for you, but here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want my answer to it all be interpreted as how do you skate around a commission's uh, suggestions? That's not at all what we're talking about. Eventually, somebody is going to step forward and go, look, we either think we can do this safely or we accept that this is the new normal and we're getting on with business. And I, I will share with you as a state agency, they got a lot of reasons to not do that. Commissions have liability that a lot of people don't appreciate. Commissions every now and then will break up a fight They'll go, no, I won't sign off on that because they don't like the records or they don't think it's a good matchup or it's safe. People forget how much a commission really does take on and overseeing and regulating this. Commissions are, are not really given their due. They kind of look like somebody that's in the way at times. That's not true. When commissions say that their job first is safety and they take that serious, that's real. But it's also real when I tell you that there's a certain courage in stepping forward, especially in a weird time, and nobody's in a hurry to be first. That's going to be a domino effect. As soon as somebody comes out, the rest will come into play. But who that first one's going to be, I really couldn't predict for you. And I think if we were to do that fight in the States, I don't think anybody's looking to skirt that. So unless somebody steps forward, which is going to be within the tech, uh, next two weeks, I think it's safe to predict it won't be in the States. Now, Chell, what advice would you give to fighters right now? In terms of like training, for example, I, I will tell you this, Helen, I, I felt a little bit of this myself. I'll use Ed Herman, my teammate, as an example. He's got a fight on the books right now, signed contract, 1st of May, and he's kind of smart enough to look at the calendar and go, I don't know if this fight's going to come, and it's, it's very trying for him because as of now, he's moving forward, so he's got to eat the right things. Don't forget, he's, he's got to make weight for the fight, then he's got to be in level uh, conditioning and in shape. He can't be the one to pull out. You know, it's it's one of these things where you've got to keep yourself ready. And how do you do that in a safe way? How do you work with your teammates or your coaches? Or even if you've got to do home workouts and go in your garage, I will tell you, I'm glad that I am not still competing and that I am faced with that. Because one thing that's tough about motivation is when you're uncertain, it can be a little bit hard to get motivated. So athletes right now, even though it's a level playing field, they're not playing a game of physical toughness. Right now, it, it, this is a mental drill. I'll give you one fun question uh, before we let you go. We really I'll let you. You know what? Fun. I'll let you know if the question's fun. You go ahead and ask the questions. I'll decide what's fun. All right. That's fair enough. Who's your main and co-main event for UFC 249? All right. You want to know something? I'll tell you. Screw the co-main event. Couldn't care less. Screw the entire card. <laughs> Couldn't possibly care less. Give me what you promised me. One half of that is Tony Ferguson. If you can't get me Khabib, fine. 
things happen, but keep that as intact as you can. Put somebody in there, follow the unified rules, and I will be perfectly happy. This is a misbelief and a misconception that we got to bring all these people together. Bring me in a camera, put those two guys in there, make sure the rules are followed. Thank you, F you, bye. And you know but what, Schmo? You want to know something, by the way? That question wasn't all that fun. I mean, I okay. enjoyed it. I'm glad that you asked it. As far as fun, mm, I don't know. But if you're Tony Ferguson, by the way, no pull the shot. Pull the shot back a little bit. I'm not done looking at your other hand. Oh, there you go, sweet potato. Hey, hey, All right. That, see, this is why I agreed tail. to the interview, Schmo. It wasn't tail, to sit here tail, and talk tail. to you. Pull it back just a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. What you. was the question? But listen, but listen. If you're Tony Ferguson, there's no upside to fighting anybody if that's not named Conor McGregor or Habib Narmagomedov. He's already oh. been the interim champion. What does he have left to prove? Okay, I got to tell you now, that's one piece of the pie, but that's not from a competitive mindset. Listen, to be a fighter is a term that has corrupted over my lifetime. It's never been about the punches and kicks. That's a 2020 phenomenon. When I was a little kid growing up, it was about getting up and moving forward when it was tough. I'm well aware that this is a demotion. I'm well aware that this is a heartbreaking move by Tony Ferguson, but he's in shape and he trained for a mission. Tony Ferguson needs to make that walk. He needs to get that experience. It's not about the money. And I understand that the opportunity is greatly less. But when you can't get what you want, you go and get the next best thing. That is a lesson in life. You don't go and hide. A lot of people are hiding right now. I'm not even turning on those people. They might turn out to be smart. But there's another side of society out there, Schmo. There's people that plant their feet, turn around, put their hands up and say, bring it on. Damn right. I'm hyped up just hearing Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're, okay. okay, what was the question? What were we talking about? Wait, but do you think that Habib and Tony will fight in 2020? Oh. Yes, I'm bullish on that. I mean, this is the fight that has been cursed. The genius himself, Dana White, said, I will never book this fight again. He went against his own better judgment. Book the fight. And here we are again. You know what? The storyline is too good. It's too good. Five times up to bat, five strikeouts. Hell yes, we're going to try number six. Well, it's been fun, man. I can't wait till we get back in person and I can put on the schmo glasses and we can go back and forth. Oh, what was the question? (laughs) There was no question. Oh, there you are. I see. All right. Hey, guys, you were fun. Schmo, did I give you enough time? Did I give you what you needed? You gave us absolutely everything what we needed. We're going to save it for more for another day. Appreciate you. Thank you both. Kaboom. Well, that was a fun interview, Helen. I know. It's always great to chat with Chell Sonnen. He's awesome. Outspoken. That was a fun question at the end about UFC 249, a main and a co-main. I guess he didn't think so. Yeah. Hey, to each his own, right? Or maybe I could see where he was coming from, maybe expecting a schmo-esque type of fun question, right? That's why I had a preface. I wasn't the schmo. I was just Dave in those moments during the interview, but it's okay. I digress. Well, you two kind of look alike. You two as in Dave and the schmo kind of look alike. Yeah, but the schmo's a better looking guy. Well, with the stash, we'll see. We'll see with the stash. We'll see. But I do stand by what I say. If you're Tony Ferguson, it doesn't make sense for you to fight anybody that's not named Conor McGregor or Habib Narmagomedov. Yeah, well, for Tony, I think that he definitely deserves to just either be fighting Conor or Habib. 
it's going to be interesting to see if April 18th happens or not. What's going to happen to the fights after April 18th? You know, we've been in the dark. Dana hasn't communicated much, uh, for better or worse. And um, I guess the sports world, Helen and myself, are crossing our fingers. We could get some fights. Yeah, but like I mentioned earlier, I think there's just so much that's unknown right now. And yeah, very scary times, but hopefully, you know, normalcy will come back sooner than later. Yeah, unprecedented for sure. But we also talk more than just MMA. We talk boxing. We do all sports. And the Schmo interviewed Joey Spencer, which we brought up at the beginning of the show. Undefeated, PBC 2019, Boxer of the Year, great prospect, very, very great mind. Just had a birthday, right? He just turned 20? He just turned 20 on the 24th of March, a quarantine birthday. You kind of know how that's like, in a way. I, I feel like you got the tail end of everything, right? We The last time you could probably go out to dinner on the Strip in Vegas, March 13th. And then by that Monday, everything was shut down. I know that crazy to think that it was only a couple weeks ago. Feels like three years. It does. But it's interesting talking to Joey because he's got a great perspective on everything. I asked him what's going on in his world and fighting, but I also circulated everything back to MMA because he can see himself fighting in MMA and knowing where he's at in his career and how good of hands he has, it's great to see his perspective on the MMA. Yeah, I thought it was a really great interview and that you had him rank the top welterweights and whatnot. But again, I don't want to give too much away because we're about to play that interview. Let's play it. Joey Spencer, quarantine style, the Schmo and the Pro. Joey! What up, Schmo? How you holding up, man? I'm good. I uh, just uh, was about to go out for a grocery run, try to get some more groceries. I'm out of my stockpile, so I'm, I'm holding up all right. You know, it's uh, it's only been about, you know, two weeks that we've been in this uh, quarantine-type situation, and uh, they just extended it another month. So it's going to be a little bit hard, but got to do it, right? You back home in Linden, Michigan? I am. Yep, I'm back in Michigan right now. So I'm, I'm glad to be home with family and uh, – you know, we're trying to keep ourselves occupied as, as well as possible. But like I said, it, it gets a little bit, uh, you know, hard to be indoors. It's uh, here in Michigan, it's, a, it's still a little bit, you know, cold outside. So can't really be outside and enjoying the weather too much. It's still, you know, kind of choppy and, and inconsistent. But it, it's all right. 10-0, you had a fight April 11th in Minneapolis. Yeah. When did yeah. you find out that that fight was officially going to be canceled by the PBC Brass? Yeah, so actually I only found out um, a, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago exactly I found out that the fight was canceled. And I'd actually been training for six weeks before that um, for that fight. So I was pretty deep in the training camp, and uh, I was feeling really good and in really good shape. And um, so that was kind of a dagger to hear that that one was canceled. But I, I didn't know if they were – you know, that kind of surprised me that it took that long. So by the time they told me it was canceled, I was thinking maybe I'd still get a chance to fight just maybe in front of no crowd. Um, they had only done one boxing event like that at that point, but I thought maybe, you know, since it was in, uh, Minneapolis, it wasn't in, um, you know, Cali or, or New York or things like that. Maybe it would work, but, uh, 
yeah, it ended up it didn't end up working out, and I, I ended up finishing the week of training um, just to do it and stayed in the gym. So I've really actually been in a full like quarantine, staying in the house for a week now. But I actually finished that week of training just to do it and had one more sparring session. And um, so yeah, you had to celebrate your twenty fourth birthday. Happy belated, or sorry, your twentieth actually twenty birthday. Yeah. I'm yeah. twenty fourth <laughs> in quarantine. Yeah, yeah, it, it was all right though. I went over and uh, you know I'm still hanging out with you know just my immediate family. I took my wife over and uh went and we had a good night and you know made some food and things like that probably exactly how i would have spent my birthday on any other even if we weren't in a quarantine it's probably what i would have done is went and spent it with my mom and dad and so um you know i still enjoyed my birthday even though it was quarantine and what'd you do well i well we just we just watched a movie and uh ate some pizza yeah so that's that's pretty much uh like I said, honestly, I'm not much of a, you know, a party guy anyway. You know, that might have really sucked for some people, but that's probably how I would have spent my birthday anyway, you know, even if it wasn't a quarantine situation, you know. So um, I probably just would have hung out with my, my parents and watched a movie and ate some pizza anyway with my wife. So He's Joey Spencer, the 2019 PBC Boxing Prospect of the Year. You were busy in 2019, had four fights. When yeah. all the craziness gets back to normal how long do you anticipate training for a camp before you can get inside the ring again well i like to stay in shape pretty much year round so um i should be you know pretty close to in shape by the time i come back anyway um i'm still going to plan on on training no matter how long this quarantine lasts i'm going to stay you know running and stay you know shadow boxing hitting bags whatever i can do in the quarantine i'm going to do that and um should come out of this in you know pretty good shape I stay in the gym pretty much year-round, so um, I should be good, you know. If they give me a call and tell me that they want me to fight, you know, in, in July or August, then I'll, I'll be ready for that. I'm excited. I'm really excited to find out, you know, when my next date's going to be and when everything can get back to normal. Um, you know, it sucks not fighting. I think I can speak for every fighter, you know, uh, and say that it really sucks not being able to do what we do for a living. But, you know, that, that goes for everybody, it seems like. Especially when there are so many great welterweights out there, mm -hmm. the Manny Pacquiao's, the Errol Spence Juniors, the Terrence mm -hmm. Crawfords. Mm -hmm. When you look at the welterweights, I know you're super welterweight. I know you're yeah. 154. Yeah. But yeah. when you look at the welterweights, who's your top five? How would you rank them? Top five. Um, I would say my number one is, I'd say as far as resume goes, I'd say Errol Spence right now. I think Terrence Crawford's right behind him. I think that um, behind him is Manny Pacquiao, and then it goes Keith Thurman, and then Danny Garcia. I think that's my top five. Um, well, no, I'm leaving out the one of the best ones. Um, so after Manny Pacquiao, I'd say Manny Pacquiao and Sean Porter are tied um, at three. And then I think that uh, Danny Garcia after that, and then – no, and then Keith Thurman and then Danny Garcia. So let me relist that. So I think that Errol Spence won, Terrence Crawford two. Sean Porter, Manny Pacquiao tied for three. After that, I'd say Keith Thurman and then Danny Garcia if I had to uh, list. So that's six, but I've kind of got one tied. So. so who would you like to see Pacquiao fight next? Yeah, um, I think it'd be awesome since he just took out Thurman and everyone wanted to see Spence and Thurman fight. I think it'd be awesome to see Pacquiao fight Spence. I think that'd be a sweet fight. Um, I think it'd, it'd be awesome. You know, I don't know. Where, you know, it's been a while since Manny fought Thurman, so I don't know, you know, if he wants 
to fight that fight at this point in his career after he's already done so much and, and accomplished so much, just beat Thurman. He wasn't supposed to beat Thurman um, in most people's opinion. And um, so I think that also a great fight would be him and Terrence Crawford. I heard they've been talking about that fight a little bit. And then also, um, you know, even him in, in a fighter um, like Sean Porter would be a fantastic fight. So um, I would like to see probably that fight more than any of them is Manny Pacquiao versus Sean Porter. That would just be an explosive fight. Not sure if you caught it, but it made headways over there yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Billy mm -hmm. Joe Saunders with that domestic violence video. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Super, the WBO super middleweight champion. What would you make of that right. video? You know, so I actually never saw it. He deleted it, and um, I'm sure it's all around, but I, I didn't actually get a chance to see the video. I caught – I heard what the gist of the video was, and, you know – I saw his statement apologizing about it. I just honestly thought that, I mean, we're at a very high, um, as professional athletes, we're held to a very high standard and we're seen by a lot of different people, you know? So even if he claimed, you know, it was just a joke and it was just a, you know, uh, a mistake on his part, that's a mistake that can't be, uh, you know, isn't a, uh, affordable. We can't be making mistakes like that. Um, it's definitely distasteful. I don't think it's a, a joking matter at all. I don't think it's something that anybody should put out in a public um, situation as a joke or, you know, encouraging it, you know, it's nothing that should be encouraged or, or even laughed at. You know, I think that, do I think he's a guy that supports domestic violence? If I had to guess, I'd say no, because I think if he was, he would know better not to put it up. You know, if he was truly somebody who supported domestic violence himself or not supported it, but had that in him to hit a woman, I don't think he would have been joking about it on social media because I think he would have been more aware of it. Honestly, I think he was just um, – he, he probably was just joking and it was just a really uh, stupid joke to make and put out on social media. Um, if, if you're asking my opinion, I think that's my opinion. You know, I don't think he genuinely su supports or endorses um, domestic violence. I think it was just a really um, bad judgment call and a really stupid joke to put out. Schmo agrees with you. I think the judgment was very poor. I mean, at least do it maybe April Fool's Day like today. It would have been better or better off. Just make a disclaimer at the end of it. By the way, this is a joke, blah, blah, blah. But his tone was so serious. And if you don't know the guy, you're just going yeah. to think this guy is promoting domestic violence. Right. And see, I didn't even, you know, see the video. So I couldn't watch and see his mannerisms and the way he was saying it. I just saw his, um, you know, people speaking on it. And I also saw his statement afterwards and I've actually thought about it quite a bit because I'm just like how at, in your position you're a world champion you're not just a professional athlete but you're a world champion and you also have a really big name in your country and in boxing in general so to put something out like that and say something you know that you should know way better and if you don't know and if you're you know somebody who would put that out and, and not think of it then you sh should fire whoever your publicist is that lets you put that out there fire whoever you've got in charge of um, your social media or, you know, as athletes, we should all have people who help us with those judgment calls. You know, we're human, so some people say stupid things. Um, you know, we all ha are capable of saying stupid things. Um, so we're supposed to have people around us that, that help us um, stay in the right, you know, stay clean, um, keep clean, keep a clean image. And um, if he doesn't have somebody like that in place, obviously, you know, he probably should put somebody in place. <laughs> I see some fans writing Bomb Squad. Let's talk about that fight. Yeah, Deontay yeah. Wilder, Tyson Fury. I know it's been a couple of months. I know you predicted Deontay Wilder to win that fight. Regardless if you, if you predicted the Gypsy King or Deontay Wilder, yeah. no one 
expected that type of performance that Fury put on Wilder in dominating fashion. They're going to go to that trilogy, man. How do you see this going down? What does Deontay Wilder need to do in order to get the victory? Or can he beat him? I think that the reason that I was picking uh, Wilder off the bat is because I felt like in the first fight, just like a lot of people felt, I felt like in the first fight, Fury went 12 rounds and barely skated by. And he won, not saying he barely, uh, I mean, he got the draw. He barely skated by as in he almost got knocked out. In that 12th round, um, it was life or death. He almost got completely, you know what I mean? He got up at the count of 10. So with that being said, he got dropped in a 12-round fight. So I thought if you add another 12 rounds to that, it's only natural that, you know, you'd think that he would get caught again in another 12-round fight. It just, you know, ups the odds, especially with a guy like Deontay Wilder, who it only takes one punch, um, and he's shown that in almost all of his fights to get a guy out of there. So I just thought if I was playing the odds, man, that that Wilder had to have an opportunity to hit him with that one shot sometime in the next 12 rounds. And the reason nobody expected Fury to do what he had done is because he had never done it against a fighter like Wilder. He went in and knocked out Deontay Wilder. So I wasn't expecting that at all. So I'm thinking if if Fury can't knock out Wilder and it only takes one punch for Wilder to knock him out, then it's bound to happen. But Fury changed the narrative and went out there and, and, and just went total bulldog mode on him and started swinging for the fences and, and landed that perfect shot right on the ear. Hurt Wilder and... uh Wilder never recovered. So I think that a big uh, – Wilder had landed some big shots in those opening rounds too against Fury. So I think a big part of this is that if Wilder can go in and not get caught, because now that Fury knows that Wilder's got a weakness fighting backwards, that's what Fury did. He went in and, and exposed Wilder's weakness for fighting uh, on the back foot. So if, if Wilder can go in there and land that shot before Fury uh, exposes that weakness once again, then – then he can get the knockout. He can always get the knockout. He's got the power to knock any man out. The problem is that Fury now knows that Wilder can't fight off the back foot. I think it was interesting to hear Fury talk about the fact that when he figure, figured out that Wilder couldn't fight backing up, it was actually in that 12th round that he got dropped. I heard him speak on the fact that when he got dropped and got back up, he decided it was the last round to so just go in you know, and, and throw down for the last you know, minute and a half of the round or so. And that was when he ended up backing up Deontay Wilder, hitting him with some good shots and actually hurt Wilder in that 12th round too. And that was when he figured out that Wilder couldn't handle him backing up. So that was interesting to me in that, that in the last round of a 12 round fight, he kind of found his game plan for the next fight um, and ended up really exposing Wilder's ability to, um, or lack of ability to fight on the back foot. So, Hopefully, you know, I'm a Wilder fan. Um, you know, I root for him. And uh, I'm also a Fury fan, but I'm a big Wilder fan. So hopefully he can go in there and make the adjustments and um, be able to set up that right hand better in the, in the third fight. Switching gears, 20 years young. What's it going to take two to three years from now? Because the Schmo travels, we hear Teofimo's name, Teofimo yeah. Lopez. We hear about the Devin Haney's, the Ryan Garcia's, the young phenom kids out there. Yeah. What's it going to take to get Joey Spencer's name in that conversation so the entire world knows who's watching? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, I'm going to hopefully fight once this all gets gets straightened out. I'm going to fight three more times this year, um, have a really busy year, come in well-rested, um, be able to have some good training camps, go in there and get some stellar performances in this year on some big cards. We've got a really big year planned, and uh, my, my promotional company, 
keeps me on the biggest cards, keeps me on the biggest networks. And, um, you know, so hopefully go out there on Fox this year, you know, uh, three more times and put on some really good performances that grab the world's attention. Um, that'll be just in time for me to turn 21 next year. Um, so my plan is to have a really big year and uh, be able to put myself in position um, for the start of 2021. Favorite boxer to watch when you're looking at game film, best footwork, best hands, who do you watch the most? Uh, I like Caleb Plant. He's my favorite boxer um, right now. Um, I think that he's uh, he's underrated by a lot of the fans, but I think that he's one of the, the next great ones, next special ones um, to come through the game. And um, Also, I watch a lot of Canelo. He's uh, a really um, – I've kind of based my style off him since I was a kid watching him because he, you know, obviously turned pro really young. Watched him, a lot of his fights coming up. And um, I love watching him, how he deals with different styles, how he deals with different opponents. He fights a lot of different taller guys than him because he's kind of short for middleweight and super middleweight, so he fights a lot of taller guys. I like seeing how he deals with that. And um, uh, who else? I like watching Errol Spence right now, Terrence Crawford, uh, Lomachenko, um, Tiafimo Lopez. I like watching Devin Haney. The younger guys um, that are doing really well, I love watching them. I think Devin Haney, you know, is one of my favorite fighters to watch. Shakur Stevenson. There's a lot of guys out there right now that are just super, super fun to watch and um, that you can learn a lot from. Schmo can't wait for David Benavidez and Caleb Plant to dance. Can't wait yeah. for that showdown to happen. It's bound to happen. Absolutely. That one's uh, that's a crash course. I think they're they're the two best at super middleweight. So um, I can't wait for them to fight. And they got so much you know bad blood. So I'm uh, that's going to be a sweet fight to watch when it finally happens because it's there's some genuine bad blood there, and then they're also the two best at super middleweight. So that's a uh, that's a fight that's uh, bound to happen, and uh, it's a war that's waiting to happen too. And a triple G Canelo fight again's got to happen as well down the yeah. line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they're talking about that happening. I personally think that Canelo's got the edge in this third fight, just with um, Triple G slowing down a little bit, maybe getting a little older. Um, so I think that Canelo's got the edge, but Triple G always uh, goes in there and lays his heart on the line. So I think that um, he's always gonna come in and, and fight his hardest and just come in to throw down. So um, I think that that's gonna be a great fight no matter what the outcome is. Yes or no answer. Will we see Floyd Mayweather back inside the ring again? Um, I think that we will. I think that we will in some um, way, shape, or form. I think that um, if – I think that there's one more payday he can come and get. I think that he'll uh, – he's really smart and he's good at finding opportunities. And um, I think that – personally, I think that Khabib and him will box um, eventually, you know, once Khabib – his contract, I don't know um, what his contract looks like for the UFC, how many more fights he's got. But I think his team's interested in it. In it and um, so is pro probably Dana White, too, and um, with how much money there is involved. And I know Floyd talks about it a lot. So, um, And he was just in the gym training. Um, a video came out like eight hours ago, seeing him train like he was, you know, 30 years old. And he's, he's you know, like 42 now. So um, getting some hard working in the gym, so. Who knows what he's cooking up? You know, he could have another fight um, that could bring in, you know, $300 million for him again. So I, I think that it's hard to turn that type of money down if you can still earn it. You brought up Habib. You brought up Dana White, the UFC. Who's got the best hands in the UFC that you've seen? Um, I really like uh, Darren Till's hands. Um, I think he's got really good hands. Um, obviously, Connor's got great hands. Um, he's got some some – uh, pro level boxing. I think that if he um, 
instead of dedicating his time to MMA the way that he did, I think if he would have spent the same time on boxing, he could have been a world champion boxing too. Um, I think that the only thing that was missing in the Floyd fight for him was just the experience in a 12 round fight, you know, but that would have came if he would have been as pro in, in boxing as long as he was in MMA. So, uh, he's got great hands. Um, like I said, those are a couple of my, my favorite guys. Nate Diaz has some great hands. I love his boxing. Nate Diaz is the one who made me start becoming a fan of, of MMA just because just because of the way that he incorporated his boxing. And uh, that, that's what started giving me the appreciation for the jiu-jitsu side of it, for the wrestling side of it, and the grappling, and you know even the kickboxing and things like that. Once I started digging into it more and seeing the different guys and just how it all, you know, ties together, that's what made me a fan of it. And um, But it started with seeing Nate Diaz's hands and the way that he went in there and used his boxing to break dudes down and then finish them on the ground. It was like, it's like art, you know. So I uh, I love to see those guys go out there and, and, and see boxing incorporated in mixed martial arts and see, you know, being that I, I've been in love with boxing for so long, it's cool to see it be used in a, a sport where all the martial arts are, are allowed. You're young, 20 years young. Could you ever see yourself take an MMA match five, six, ten years down the line? You ever see yourself doing that? Yeah, definitely. I I love the sport. I'm a huge fan of it, and I have a, a lot of appreciation for, for MMA. So uh, I started training uh, jiu-jitsu about six, seven months ago. So uh, – Definitely. You know, I like, I like it. And I think six, seven, eight years from now, um, if I've done what I've done in boxing um, and set out to do in boxing, then if I am able to continue, you know, training on in the wrestling and jiu-jitsu sides of the sport, then um, maybe, you know, who knows, be able to make a, a big money fight down the uh, line and just, just have the experience of it and enjoy it. We'll remember this final message for all the Joey Spencer fans out there worldwide. Um, yeah, uh, stay tuned. We've got um, a big year ahead of us, and uh, I'm out there. I'm a, I'm I'm gonna always try to you know fight my heart out and give the fans you know good fights and exciting fights. So um, stay tuned, and uh, we're gonna have a big 2020 and big 2021. Yes, and for all those wannabe fighters out there, what's the first thing they need to develop skills wise in order to hold their own and defend themselves? Um, first thing you need to develop is a strong mind. Um, that's the most important thing um, in any 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 fight game. You know, is a strong mind, and uh, because you know it's definitely not um, easy. You know, whether you're trying to box or trying to do MMA, um, it's it's not an easy thing. And you got to be you know strong as strong mentally as you are physically. Um, you got to be tough, and you got to uh, have the work ethic um, to keep you going in a sport like this. So. Um, you got to be willing to outwork everybody because once you get in the ring, you know, uh, there's no looking back and it's, it's your work against his work. So that's the most important thing in my, uh, in my opinion. Wise beyond his years. We're going to see a lot of them 10 and 0, the super welterweight top PBC prospect of 2019, Joey Spencer, the pro on the schmo. Appreciate your time. Stay safe. Best of luck to you and your family. We're out. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Thank Stay you. safe. Thank you. You too. People were saying in the Instagram live where we did the interview, he looked like a pizza driver. Here I am with my schmo fur hat. <laughs> the dynamics of that interview, looking at it from the outside, looking in. It's pretty weird, right? Yeah. Imagine someone watching that without audio. <laughs> where did you get that hat, by the way? 
I don't remember. I have a lot of Wait, fun what, what garments. What you need that hat for? Is it like a snowboarding hat? Like a winter hat. I think I whipped that out a couple of years ago with my buddy Alex Monaco uh, when the Ball Brothers were in Lithuania. And uh, we had a green screen and I pretended like the schmo was reporting in Lithuania for Lonzo Ball, Lamelo Ball, and playing basketball, Leangelo Ball, and Lithuania. It was just a little skit we did interesting yeah i being born and raised in vegas i've never seen one of those hats here i don't think you need it every time i put that thing on if i walked outside i'd be schwitzing or sweating all down my face yeah i don't blame you i mean the weather is getting warmer right not as windy not like the last time we did the show did i complain about the weather maybe i did yeah Listen, you know, for all of those who don't know, I'm from Chicago. I'll never complain about the weather in the West Coast at any time of the year, knowing that nine months of the year living where I grew up is absolutely miserable. But hopefully we all get to enjoy the beautiful weather and the outdoors sooner than later. We definitely are making the most of the situation, and we just want to say... We appreciate all your continued support. We apologize that we're releasing this a couple days later. We promise we'll make it up to you. We're going to release another podcast with a special guest shortly after this one. Stay tuned. Yes. And in the comments below, try to guess who you think that special guest is. Yeah, because we didn't do it on IG Live, so you wouldn't be able to search the Instagram for that. And the only hint, Oh, shit. <laughs> the lights. Give me the light. I think we need to charge it. That's our cue. We're out.